Ladies and gentlemen, had I the authority to assign a title to Minister Matthews' speech, I might have called it a hot topic on a chilly Monday. <laughs> Today's live audience rivals the attendance we've received when visited by the likes of Mr. Ignatieff, Mr. Carney, and Madame Jean. That so many of you would bear the minus 20-something wind chill to attend this event is a testament to your commitment to the success of health care in Ontario. Mm -hmm. Either that or you've, you heard that we'll be, we'll be raffling off flu shots at the close of the event. <laughs> Either way, I'm as anxious to hear from our speaker today as you are, and it is my pleasure to introduce her. We're thrilled that Ontario's Health and Long-Term Care Minister has chosen our stage to provide a health care checkup. As you know, she is chief caregiver to the province's complex and challenging health system a system which would have a caseload of 13 million people were we to either fall ill, become pregnant, or require an MRI all at the same time. With Ontario's health care system now taking up almost half of every program dollar spent, new directions are continuously being sought to create value while delivering better care. Ensuring our publicly funded system is at the same time patient-focused, results-driven, innovative, and accessible is no easy task but one that Minister Matthews has embraced fully and led admirably. In her role for less than a year and a half, Minister Matthews' accomplishments include a major initiative to reduce the cost of generic drugs for all Ontarians and championing the unanimous passage of the Excellent Care for All Act. Minister Matthews, who represents the riding of London North Centre, was first elected to Queen's Park in 2003. After re-election in 2007, she succeeded one of the Canadian Club's favourite past presidents as Minister of Children and Youth Services and also took on the role of Minister Responsible for Women's Issues. Her accomplishments of that period include an ambitious strategy to take a major bite out of child poverty, the Ontario Child Benefit and the Poverty Reduction Act. Born and raised in the London area, Deb Matthews is a long-standing community leader a PhD graduate of the University of Western Ontario, a mother, and, believe it or not, a grandmother. Ladies and gentlemen, bringing us remarks on a somewhat deeper level than a hot topic on a chilly Monday, I present to you the Honourable Deb Matthews, Ontario's Minister of Health and Long-Term Care. Well, thank you, Nicholas, for that very kind introduction, and thanks to the Canadian Club for inviting me to be here today. And thank you so very much for being with me here today. I have to say it's wonderful to see so many people who, uh, uh, who I encounter in my, in my work life, but also so many members of my family who are here today. I come from a large family. It's wonderful there's enough room in this uh, hall for all of them. This is my second visit to the Canadian Club. Last time I was here, I told you that my eldest daughter was pregnant and that I was eagerly awaiting the big day. Well, I'm very happy to tell you that my daughter, Toby, gave birth to the world's most beautiful twins, <laughs> Annie and Thomas. Thing is, they were premature. I was in a cabinet meeting when I got a message that they had made their surprise appearance. And when I bolted out of the cabinet room and through the doors of Trillium Health Centre, 
I was not there as health minister. I was just one of 13 million people in this province counting on Ontario's health care system to make it okay. Okay for my daughter and okay for those tiny, precious little babies. Most of us know that feeling, the feeling that we are utterly helpless and entirely dependent on the men and women who deliver health care in, in this province to make it okay. They can't always, but more often than not, they do. And every time, they do their very, very best to make it okay, no matter what the patient's ability to pay. You see, Annie and Thomas got the very same excellent care that any other babies born in this great province would have received. And that is the extraordinary blessing that we enjoy in this province, in this country, at this time. It wasn't always so. The blessing of our uniquely Canadian universal health system did not happen by accident. It did not happen by some freak of nature. It happened because political leaders who came before us decided to make it happen. They decided that it was part of our Canadian value system to look after one another. They decided that the right thing to do was to share the burden of the cost of illness, to ensure access to care for all. It was not the easy thing to do, but it most certainly was the right thing to do. Our Canadian healthcare system, though, is not something that is created and then left to stand for eternity, like some giant monument by itself. Quite the contrary. Our healthcare system requires constant care, adequate funding, endless striving to make it better. And without the constant commitment of the government of the day, the precious gift given to us by previous generations will wither away. A neglected healthcare system will quickly slip into being a system that does not meet the needs of the people. And from there, into two-tier healthcare. I can assure you that our government is committed to making the right investments to drive the changes in our healthcare system that will make it even stronger. But we can't do it alone. We need to work with our partners. So I've invited four guests to be with us today, each of whom in their own way is working to make Ontario's healthcare system stronger. Wendy Kumeta is here. She understands, in a way few others do, how precious our health care system is. In the fall of 2009, she was enjoying life with her husband and young family. But then a serious case of H1N1 sent Wendy to York Central Hospital. Soon she was in a medically induced coma. Her family was flying in from around the world, fearing the worst. Her husband was told she had a 5% chance of survival. Wendy's life was in the hands of our healthcare professionals, 
She was receiving care in a hospital that had learned the lessons from SARS and had prepared for the H1N1 pandemic. For seven long weeks, she lay in a coma. Then she awoke, opened her eyes, and looked into the sweet faces of her little boy and her little girl. And now look at her today. I invited Wendy to be with us today because I was so touched by her story when I met her and I was so inspired by her spirit. She's become a great advocate of Ontario's publicly funded high-quality health care system, and her husband isn't complaining about the tax bills anymore. <laughs> Thank you, Wendy, for standing up for health care. You're making our system stronger. We should all stand proud of our single-payer health care system, proud to say it is uniquely our own, proud to defend it by continually improving it. When our government was elected in 2003, I would argue that we were on the brink of two-tier health care. The public system was in chaos, and single-tier health care was in jeopardy. There was a government back then that believed that the right thing to do in health care was cut. Cut jobs, cut beds, cut hospitals, cut the heart right out of the system. Let me remind you, this is a headline from the Toronto Star from the year 2000. This is the headline. ER crisis rivals worst ever in GTA. 22 hospitals turn away ambulance as crunch hits third day in a row. That's right, 22 of 25 hospitals were closed to ambulances. But despite the growing demands on the system, you don't read headlines like that anymore because it's not happening today. Even in the past few weeks, with our hospitals dealing with a surge in flu activity. Instead of crippling the system, there was unprecedented cooperation between our ministry, the LINs, and the hospitals, and we weathered the storm. You don't hear about thousands of nurses being fired because we're hiring thousands of nurses. You don't hear about hospital closures because we're building new hospitals. You don't hear about how Ontarians don't have access to family doctors because now they have better access. You don't hear about people waiting an eternity for hip replacement or cataract surgery because we've brought those wait times down. And you don't hear about the brain drain because we've reversed it. Back in 2003, healthcare was a mess. Some thought it wasn't salvageable and that there was no choice but to allow pay your way to the front of the line, healthcare. We didn't agree. And after that election, we took that mess and we started cleaning it up. Dalton McGinty had a vision for health care and he had a plan. He knew that we could rebuild our health care system and that we could restore Ontarians' confidence in it. The Premier also knew that only if you measured it and tracked it could you improve it. It was an innovative strategy and politically enormously courageous because sometimes those numbers aren't too good and there's no place to hide from them. But the Premier was confident, he was determined, 
so we pushed forward. We started measuring wait times and set performance targets. We made unprecedented investments. And soon his vision yielded results. Ontario now has the most comprehensive wait time information in the country. With a simple click of the mouse, you can find out about ER or surgical wait times for a hospital, for any, any hospital, for almost any procedure in the province. You can see what the wait time is and what it was when we started measuring. That's remarkable access to information, and that is remarkable transparency. And most importantly, wait times have come down, way down for some procedures. And we're meeting our targets in almost all the categories. And where we're not, MRIs, for example, we have a plan to get there. When I was knocking on doors in 2003 in my riding of London North Centre, the number one concern I heard from people at the door was about the healthcare system, particularly the inability to find a family doctor, no matter how hard they tried. And the thing was, the sicker someone was, the harder it was to get a family doctor. It was a problem right across the province. So the Premier made this issue a priority. He pledged to help one million Ontarians find a family doctor. So we opened more medical school spaces, we created new family health teams, new uh, practitioner-led clinics, community health centres, we more than doubled the number of residency spots for international medical graduates, and we campaigned to bring our Ontario-trained doctors back home. The result? Promise kept. A million more Ontarians with access to primary care than when we got started. Indeed, there are now places where the doctors are advertising for patients. A recent headline in Sudbury read, where are all the orphan patients? That was unheard of just seven years ago. So if we were to invite everyone who had found a family doctor to a party at the Rogers Center, we'd have a sellout crowd 20 times over. But we're not content with that. There's more work to be done. We're looking to the future. By 2014, we will have doubled the number of doctors graduating every year. We've opened three new medical education campuses, St. Catharines, Kitchener, Waterloo, and Windsor. A fourth will open in Mississauga this year. We've even opened a new medical school in the north, because doctors who train in the north are far more likely to stay in the north. And let's not forget the backbone of our healthcare system, the nurses. We've created 10,000 more nursing positions with more to come. You see, we think hiring nurses is a better healthcare strategy than firing nurses. The Premier also knew that we urgently needed to invest in our hospital infrastructure. Our hospitals had been neglected for far too long. We launched the largest hospital infrastructure investment in the history of Ontario. 18 brand new hospitals are open or on the way. William Osler in Brampton, Royal Ottawa, West Perry Sound, Peterborough, Thunder Bay, Sudbury, Pembroke, North Bay, 
Sault Ste. Marie, Menayawin and Sioux Lookout, Sarnia, St. Catharines, North Bay, Woodstock, Bridgepoint, and Cornwall. It's a long list. <laughs> and a hundred, a hundred major renovation projects, additions to, new, to, to existing buildings. I won't list them. But it's not just about bricks and mortar. It's the people within the walls who matter the most. So instead of touring around the province and slamming our hospitals and healthcare institutions, as the opposition leader has made a habit of recently, we should be applauding them, thanking them for their commitment to the people of this province, thank them for working with us to improve healthcare for everyone. And when there are challenges, and there always are and there always will be, work with them, not against them, to get it right. We've come a long way in the past seven years, but we have challenges ahead. We need to plan for the long term. The federal government has yet to commit to renewing the Canada Health Transfer. That's the 10-year, $41 billion agreement signed by Paul Martin, an investment that has translated into measurable results. The Canada Health Transfer discussion will serve as an opportunity to ensure that we can put health care on a strong, long-term financial footing, an, an opportunity to demonstrate that our generation will make the necessary investments to keep our universal system intact. Other challenges ahead. I've got a PhD in demography which means that I'm nothing if not consumed by the challenges of an aging, growing, and increasingly diverse population. So what do we do to meet that challenge? The opposition has suggested that we cut $3 billion out of health care. You just can't do that and not face severe consequences. It's the equivalent of wiping out all the hospitals in Northern Ontario or eliminating home care, or stop funding drugs for seniors. We have a plan to strengthen our health care system, to slow the rate of increase in spending, and improve patient care. And we're acting on that plan. Camille Orridge is another guest of mine with me today. Camille. Everyone knows Camille, I think. Uh, she's the CEO of the Toronto Central Lynn. She's a community leader who gets it. She understands the value of local solutions, responding to local challenges and local opportunities. She understands that turning our system from one focused on providers to one focused on patients is what we need to do. Because integration and regionalization are the foundation of the future health of healthcare. And that's exactly what the Lynns are doing. The Lynns are also providing more care in our communities because the ER should not be the place for non-urgent care. That's why we're focusing on our seniors by investing in local programs to help keep people in their homes, in their neighborhoods, as long as they possibly can. Thank you, Camille, for making Ontario's healthcare system stronger. Another part of our plan to curb soaring costs 
is by focusing on quality. Call it another target. The great thing about focusing on quality is that it is both far better for patients and less expensive for the system. You see, poor quality care is actually very expensive care. It costs far less to prevent an infection or to prevent readmission to a hospital than it does to treat the patient who doesn't receive the highest quality care. The Excellent Care for All Act ensures that every healthcare organization, starting with hospitals, develops an annual, publicly reported quality improvement plan. It builds on the notion of if you measure it, you can improve it. Hospitals will be able to see how they're doing compared to other hospitals and undertake changes in their organization to improve quality of care. The goal is to bring about a focus on quality that will permeate the organization and drive better patient care and lower costs. Another part of our plan to strengthen health care is through embracing e-health. I'm delighted that Greg Reed, uh, CEO of eHealth Ontario, give a wave there, Greg, uh, of eHealth Ontario is our guest here today. I am very, very pleased to report that eHealth is back on track and moving full steam ahead. Today, almost 5 million Ontarians are being cared for by doctors with electronic medical records, and we'll have that double to 10 million over the next year and a half. Almost all diagnostic images in hospitals are now digital and stored in a central repository, allowing them to be read in real time by specialists in another hospital with the very best expertise. That means faster diagnosis. It means that patients are not unnecessarily transferred or waiting a long time to get test results. Thank you, Greg, to your team and your chair, Ray Hessian, for making Ontario's healthcare system stronger. Another guest here today is Dennis Darby, the CEO of the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Now, you may recall that Dennis and I have not always agreed on everything. <laughs> but we do agree that drugs are an increasingly important part of our healthcare system and that pharmacists ought to be an increasingly important partner in the healthcare team. Ontario is one of the largest purchasers of drugs in the world, but we had not been enjoying the benefits that normally come with being such a good customer. It was clear that we needed to lower the price of generic drugs, so we did it for everyone. We did catch some flack for making those changes, but we never backed down. And now we're using part of the savings to ensure that pharmacists who put their extensive and highly specialized skills to work are fairly compensated for providing more care to more people. Working with Ontario's pharmacists, we're doing what's best for people and what's best for the system. Thank you, Dennis, for making Ontario's healthcare system stronger by expanding the role of pharmacists. Let me close by saying that we have come very, very far in the past seven years. And we know we have big challenges ahead. We're rebuilding the system, and more people have access to more care because of it.
We're doing it because it's the right thing to do. But make no mistake, it's not always the easy thing to do. There are a couple of twins I know and love. They have a wonderful big brother and a cousin on the way. And I think you can all think of a child in your own life who sometimes, sometime down the road is going to need the very best health care. I'm determined to play my part to ensure that our precious, universal, uniquely Canadian health care system is there for them when they need it. I'm proud of the progress we have made together, proud of where we are and where we're going together. There are those who want to take us backwards, who have lost confidence in the vision of those who created universal health care in this country. I am confident that the future of universal health care in Ontario is bright if we stay focused, if we make the right investments, if we drive higher quality care, and if we continue to work in partnership with our health care professionals. We've demonstrated that we can make real progress, and we are determined to keep on going. So thank you for doing what you do, and thank you for standing up to Ontario's, for Ontario's health care system, and in doing so, standing up for Ontarians. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Minister Matthews. I would now like to welcome Jamie Watt, President-elect of the Canadian Club of Toronto, to the podium. Uh, Minister, this morning I prepared two versions of my thank you. <laughs> Depending on whether you say yes or no to Bob Howard's capital request at St. Michael's Hospital. <laughs> but knowing that the answer is going to be yes, I'll use uh, that text. Uh, Thank you for reminding us today that the choices that you and the healthcare system face are not easy, and for reminding us about the importance of making the right choices. I thank you also for bringing your special guests who put, I think for all of us, a personal and powerful face on the choices that you, that you make every day. And of course, thank you for being here on what Nick said was a cool day. I'd like to, however, thank the minister for something else. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I think we all watch politics growing increasingly toxic. And one of the consequences of that increasing toxicity is more and more pe good people are saying no to participating. And more and more of those who choose to participate, it becomes the best job they've ever had. That is not the case with our guest today. This is an amazingly accomplished woman, a demographer, a mom, Grandma, as you heard, an academic, 
business executive, and now a successful leader of a very, very large organization. Deb Matthews had many, many reasons to say no, and yet Deb Matthews said yes. So for saying yes and for being with us today, you have our heartfelt thanks. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Jamie. Thank you, Minister Matthews, and thank you once again to Novartis and TELUS for making this event possible. This concludes our television programming, which has been broadcast live on Rogers TV. We're grateful to Rogers TV and 680 News for their continuing promotion of Canadian Club events. Thank you to all of you for joining us today. This meeting is now adjourned.